Welcome to Out of the Box with Christine, the podcast for conscious entrepreneurs. Are you willing to step into your greatness? Are you ready to shine? Well, get ready, truth seeker. You're in for an amazing ride. And now, here's the host of the show, Christine Blasdale. Welcome back, everyone, to Out of the Box with Christine. Of course, I'm your host, Christine Blasdale. And today, get ready, buckle up your seatbelts. We are going to be having an amazing conversation with someone who I just recently, our paths have crossed. And I'm so happy that I, that I have met her because she is what, what, what I like to call one of, one, of, uh, one of my people, you know, like my tribe, uh, Chris Lyon, who is a certified personal and executive coach. She is a board-certified hypnotist, master NLP practitioner, relationship author, and educator, as well as a Reiki master, and is certified in applied neuroscience and brain health. She has been in practice for over 20 years, and I love her specialty because it's something that I resonate with, and I know you, my beautiful listeners, will resonate with as well because I've heard from you, but she specializes in optimized and compassionate work with highly sensitive people and um, and making sure that they are the leaders and the uh, the movers and shakers that they really are meant to be. And so I want to welcome you, Chris Lyon, to Out of the Box with Christine. Welcome, my dear. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. I am so happy because we get to talk and you you get to share your expertise and wisdom that you have learned over the many years in with a group of people that um, for so long, I'll say we, because I've been classified as this, as a highly sensitive person, but we have, we've kind of been maligned through the centuries, haven't we? <laughs> Very much so. Uh, definitely that. And um, at best, misunderstood. Yes. Yes. So, so highly sensitive. So first of all, how did you get into the work that you're, that you've been current? I mean, looking at your, resume here, you know, um, uh, hypnotherapy, NLP practitioner, Reiki master. So you're obviously someone whose desires to, to help people are very high on your list. How did you get, how did you get started doing all of this wonderful work? Well, it's actually before I started doing my more holistic work and you, and learning all of these modalities. Um, it happened in the nineties. Um, I know I'm dating myself, but I do a lot of research, do a lot of reading, and was actually getting training to go into some of these fields. And I hadn't done the work yet on it, but I found out about this book, uh, The Highly Sensitive Person by Dr. Elaine Aaron. And I was captivated. And I read this book. And since then, I've had clients read it. And what I keep hearing is that clients say, I feel like I've come home. Like, this is, this is me. And so I resonated with this and I was so grateful for this research and really finding out more about who I am that I got very passionate about that. And I just started working with people that were highly sensitive. And you know, when you're doing that, that really strong, dedicated work on something and it's a passion, you're going to attract the energies for it. So I had a lot of clients attracted to me, to my practice, who were highly sensitive people who may not have known it. And it was just, it's just glorious work to me because it was a lot of healing for me personally. Yeah. And so, and 
what would you say? Who is a highly sensitive person? Because people who are listening right now um, may be conf- confused with that, or they may think that they are. But w- but what would you say? Some of the characteristics of a highly sensitive person. What would that be? Sure. Um, one thing that I've told people is, if you think you're highly sensitive, you probably are, and you can probably resonate with that feeling. I could too. Um, but really, it's they were saying it's up to 20% of us, like one out of every five, but more research has shown that it could be up to 30% of us. Um, and then there are people who are sensitive after that, but the highly sensitive people have a, just a difference in their central nervous system. It's not a disorder. And so some of their uh, differences about them could be that um, they sense nuances in, in people um, within the energies in the room uh, they sense subtle changes and different subtleties. Uh, they are very, very um, sensitively attached to the arts, um, you know, music and and art and 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 creating. A lot of them are highly intuitive people. Uh, they call themselves empaths, but they're highly intuitive. Where people uh, find that maybe they think they feel like they're reading their minds, um, and they what they do is they they feel very deeply. They take more in at once and they process it more deeply and feel it more deeply. So there's the ability to laser focus on things. Um, There are just so many things, but most of us have a rich uh, kind of inner world as well. We're very internally focused. So I think if anyone resonates with that, they may want to consider whether they're a highly sensitive person. And and this is something too that I've noticed is that while I love I love people. I love the human species. Um, I can handle, I can handle like groups or like if we go out with friends, I can handle it for a little while. And then what happens is that if I, if, if people are talking a lot, especially if they're talking a lot to me, I start to sort of drop off. Like I, like I, I get sleepy or I just go, you know what? I, I don't know what it is, but I just can't, I can't do very much. Now mm-hmm. I can in a crowd like if we're you know going I don't know g- going to the theater or going to um, you know a, cl- a club or something like that I can come in I can do my thing I get a little jolt oh this is fun and then I'm like when I'm done I'm done I'm yes. done because yes you hit your limit because you feel all the energy in the room as well yes. um, is this something that you've noticed with highly sensitive people like they can only handle just so much with other people yes a lot of them do love people like we do. And um, they love people, but they get what it is. It's too much overwhelm. It's too much overstimulation. It's too much overwhelm. Uh, there's an example where you walk into the room of an event and do you, which do you notice more? The, um, the you know, setting the, the centerpiece on the table or that these two people are mad at each other. Um, and so you're taking in a lot of that energy and a lot of the emotion and you're taking it in all at once. So there's an analogy that I use where it's like maybe a small PVC pipe that someone would be taking in information in, a non-highly sensitive person. And then there's a giant lampshade type pipe of, you know, of taking in information for HSPs. That would overwhelm and tire out anyone. So we are very susceptible to being overwhelmed and needing more downtime. We can love people, but we have to know our limits and that's okay because we're taking in more than than the other than the average person is. And I think that's important to know as well 
you know, with your profession, with your career is, is that because we all, we work differently. Like some people can really power in nine to five, be in an office setting with, you know, a lot of other people. I know myself, I can, I work concentrate. I don't, do you remember, I don't know if you remember these days. I remember because I used to, I used to eat those, the orange, the frozen orange juice cans, the concentrated orange juice, they're heinous, right? But I, as a kid, as I love, I just would like love to eat the concentrate. But what I say is that I'm concentrated. So I can work for a few hours or, you know, an hour or two hours and it's intense, it's condensed. So I can get a lot in there, a lot that's with coaching, I, you know, in an hour session, we, we do a lot, we cover a lot, but I also know that I need to unplug or, you know, like step back. And that means stepping back and switching my focus completely. And it might be just to take a nap for half an hour or to listen some, to some beautiful meditational music. And then I'm fired up to go back, you know, in again, is this, is this how it's something that you relate to as well? Well, first of all, Christine, that's super healthy of you to be doing. Um, it's knowing when you need a recharge. And uh, that's I, I'm so happy to hear that, that, that you're doing that. Um, a lot of HSPs don't do that and they burn themselves out and they get you know, serious health issues that happen from it. So as far as the concentrated part, yes, I'm the same way. When you are recharged, you go in and you tend to hit things with a really concentrated focus and energy. Uh, I know myself, I'm very self-driven. And so when I'm passionate, I'm very passionate about my work. So when I'm working on it and I'm recharged, I go in and I get an awful lot done in, in a certain amount of time. And then when I'm done, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I need to go and, and recharge and be stupid or hang out or swim or sleep or do whatever to recharge. It's not a luxury. It's important that we make that a priority. There is a difference in how we manage our lives from people who are not highly sensitive people. And, you know, whoever is listening to this is either a highly sensitive person or loves someone who, who is. Um, there's a, many of us out there. The world needs us. But the, the managing life is very different. And a lot of us don't know that because we don't know we're highly sensitive. This is, and this is key. This is key. Hold that thought right there because I want to just remind the audience who I'm speaking with. First of all, you're listening to Out of the Box with Christine. I am Christine Blasdell, your hostess with the mostess. And my guest today is, of course, Chris Lyon, who's a certified personal and executive coach. She's really an intuitive coach of, of I mean, epic proportions. She's been in practice for over 20 years. And we're talking today, of course, about highly sensitive people. And I, I, I spoke to you earlier and i really like this because you were talking about the concept of renaming or rebranding highly sensitive people and that's because in our world let's face it um being called sensitive has not had the <laughs> it's not been the highest compliment i remember as a child i had a, a parent i had a parent that was oh a lost soul let's say and the 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 negative that was thrown at me was you're just too goddamn sensitive, Christine. You're too sensitive. And so um, let's talk about the words that we use and and also labeling of sensitive because in a in a different probably in a different planet sensitive is really good. <laughs> yes. you know, but talk about that. Let's talk about that. Uh, just the the naming convention of that. Well, I'm 
it's unfortunate that the word sensitive has um, any negative connotation, but it does. You're exactly right. And your experience that you talk about is unfortunate as well, but it's very, very common for many highly sensitive people. Um, you're definitely not alone. There's many people who've had that experience. And what I've seen from that, what I have learned from that is it's either one of two things. It's either somebody who is highly sensitive, who's saying that to their, their young one, you know, it's a caregiver. They're either highly sensitive and they have a self-loathing about that. They don't accept it. They think it's a bad thing. And so they are trying to get the child to change or they're resenting the child for being like that too. Um, the parts of them that they um, don't accept. Okay. So it's either that, or a lot of times it's caregivers who just don't understand and they are, they're frustrated by it. And they're maybe a little ashamed that they don't know how to meet their child on that level. So it's really not about the highly sensitive person, but people carry that all their lives about I'm too sensitive or I'm too weak or I'm too lazy or I'm too this, too that. All those are false narratives that we take on very easily because we're so internally focused. Some people would call it self-centered, but we're not selfish as much, but we very much make a lot of things about us. So when we get labeled by an adult who doesn't know any better, unfortunately, we're going to think it's about us and not them. And that's very, it's sad because like you were saying about the rebranding, um, absolutely. I am absolutely rebranding it. And I, I'm just gonna say this outright and you may agree with me, we are intense people. Or word. <laughs> okay. We're intense. You're intense. I'm intense. That's my he middle name. <laughs> right? See, I found it. Yeah. Yes, nobody's yeah. nobody has argued with me about that. That's been an HSP. Nobody has ever said, Well, that not me. Everyone's <laughs> like, Yes, yes. We are very intense people. We have our nervous systems, they they make us live our lives in this intensity that yeah. other people just don't understand. But the world, like I said, the world needs non-highly sensitive people. So we won't discriminate. We love them. A lot of us are, there are loved ones. A lot of us are with people. Like Some that of my best friends life. are non-sensitive people. <laughs> yeah. So we're, Hey, we're, we're, we love them, right? We're not going to, we're not against them, but the world needs highly sensitive people too. It's a good thing to have them. There's, they have a lot to contribute to the world. They have a lot to contribute to relationships and, and leadership. In fact, um, all kinds of areas, but um, yeah, it's not actually not a bad thing. So if anyone's listening and they thought it was a bad thing, it is absolutely not. It is all goodness. It's a superhero power. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I try to explain to people that. I, I had a question. What do you think? Do you are you, do you think that people are born highly sensitive, or are they created? In other words, you know that nurture versus nature type thing. Um, or do you think it's a combination of both? You know, the research says that it's actually a genetic trait, right? And then I think what happens is, like, we're born with it. It's part of our central nervous system. It's just a a difference. But I think that because, like, by default, because we are sensitive, then we develop these other parts of us. Everyone has intuition, okay? Everyone has it. Some people have more than others. Everyone can develop it. Some of us hyperdevelop our empathy and intuition um, in the developmental ages and the early stages of life. We do that um, because, well, for a number of reasons, we're taking things in more, we're feeling things more, but also 
it has been said that the highly sensitive person tends to carry the intensity of the emotions in the family more than the others do while they're using, like maybe in denial about it or using other coping ways of coping with it, we're really carrying it. Um, I know I did. I know a lot of my clients have. And uh, I think the intuition, the empathy, and a lot of the other, um, you know, hallmarks of the sensitivity, I think they get even more honed when we're children. I don't, I don't think we have to wait for adulthood to have that happen. So some people think, oh, well, I developed it in childhood. Actually, you were born with it. And then you developed that parts of it uh, pretty, probably pretty quickly uh, for, for some people, for many people. And then, and then having to adapt into society and depending on where you're, you know, where you're born, uh, culture, dogma, education, the education system, all of that, it doesn't really encourage you to be, it, I would say it doesn't really encourage you to be super, you know, um, in, in touch with the, the highly sensitive aspects of you. Um, but I do also know that it can be overwhelming when you are able to feel um, as much as we do um, on a global scale, on a community scale, you know, with your partner, um, all of that. Can you talk about um, about that? It's a great ability, but it's also it can be a little bit overwhelming at times. What do you what do you recommend? Because I know I have my ways of of dealing with it, but I was just wondering with your clients how how do you uh, help them through that? I'm really glad you asked about this. I actually have a lot to say on it, um, but I am going to absolutely match your point and agree with you. A lot of highly sensitive people feel like they don't belong. They feel like they. A lot of people say, oh, I belong on another planet, or I don't belong in this world, I don't belong with the, my family I'm with, um, my community, or any of that. They feel like they don't fit. And uh, there's many of us that have had that experience or that feeling. Um, so you've just got to kind of find your people because they're, they're out there. Um, but as far as what's recommended is, I, a couple of things I like to focus on. One is managing your life as a highly sensitive person. It's a different type of life management. And I don't know about you, but from, you know, what I've asked people over the years that have been highly sensitive and myself, I was not taught and I was not raised to manage my life as a highly sensitive person. And yeah, you probably weren't either. Right. So (laughs) I don't, you know what, Christine, I've never met someone who says they have been. And if I did, they probably would be quite young. Um, and so we were taught, this is interesting because we already have this change of our nervous system. And then we were taught to, to manage our lives as non-sensitives as who we're not. And then we were taught or we, comp- we were made to compare ourselves to other people that we couldn't do what they did or couldn't be like them. So then we were, that affected our nervous system. That, those kind of things can be traumatic. A lot of us have trauma, a complex trauma even. So there's that nervous system difference. So there's all the, these, these blocks we go up against and all these differences we have that aren't supported, and yet we're still resilient. So managing your life as a highly sensitive person is so important, and um, I actually walk through that with clients. And the other part, too, and this is part of it, but it's a part that I stress, is to do your nervous system work, is to work on healing your nervous system, keeping it healthy, being able to go from the kind of like the fight flight, you know, where the you have the adrenaline where you're in danger or you're working out or you're, you know, doing something that takes a lot of energy and, and, and skill 
to be able to downshift into that rest, digest, and recover part of your nervous system. A lot of us are on high alert. Um, Some of us live in controlled chaos. I know I did, and it was normal for me. But a lot of us are on high alert because that's what our nervous system knows, and that's our default. So I would say to work on managing your life as a highly sensitive person, which is way different than what you were taught, and also do some work with your nervous system to develop the ability to be able to um, basically maybe heal it for some people, uh, but also be able to use it in a way that's healthiest for us. A lot of recharge, a lot of downtime. A lot of us put ourselves down and beat up on ourselves because we're not like other people or we can't do what they do. Um, we have to change those, those limiting beliefs. We like to create narratives. If this person said this to me, this is what this means. It means I'm this. It means they think that, no, that maybe they're just having a bad day. So there's a whole different way of thinking and a it's whole a, different way of changing our belief system and then dealing with our nervous system. So it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a way of interpreting uh, things is what I've, what I've found over the years. And it's taken a long time for me as well to... Um, to take situations and to, even though, because even though being empathic and feeling, you know, others, you can also be not too empathic. I'm not going to say that, but you can be, because of that empathy and you can feel what others, um, you can feel others, you can become overwhelmed by that. And it's almost like, I remember many, many moons ago, I was a I was a personal fitness trainer and then I decided to get my massage license because I thought, well, I'll upsell my, you know, we'll do, we'll do a workout and then I'll tell my clients, would you like a massage after the workout? It's like a no brainer. Of course they do. So I remember getting my um, massage license and what was difficult in the beginning because I was young was that I was, I wanted to heal people, right? I wanted to help them. And so when I was working on them, I could feel all of this, you know, childhood trauma and goo and weird um, uh, shame and grief and pain. And I went to my, my master, my master teacher, and I said, I don't know if I can do this because I'm feeling all this stuff. And she taught me, she said, you can be a caregiver and give love, but, but push out that love towards that client, right? And but do not receive all of that. Don't draw it into you because that's not yours. You're just facilitating, helping them, you know, ease ease out of that discomfort or giving them that love that is so powerful. And so I used to do that. I would I would consciously do that and go, I'm not taking that on. And then after each massage, you know, I would like do the shake. I would shake, shake out my body, shake out my hands. And so that you can be a witness. And love them and send them that love because you know they need it, but not take it on yourself. And that is key because we have a lot of highly sensitive people who are trying to fix everyone and taking on that energy. And they don't understand when they wake up and they feel really crappy. Yes, right? or get very ill from it as ill. well. Yes. I, I'm glad you figured out how to do your own energy work. That's very powerful. Um, I actually do teach energy work to my clients to help them to do clearing, grounding. I think everybody needs to do some grounding work here and there and shielding uh, because a lot of highly sensitive people don't realize that we have a choice 
about the energy that we take in. We have a choice. We can say, nope, that's not for me and deflect it and just not. Well, a lot of us just are just by default human sponges. And when I say human sponges and you sponge that up, I think a lot of sensitive and highly sensitive people will completely get that. We have a choice not to do that. And I don't think a lot of us realize how unhealthy it is for our mind, body, and spirit to be sponging up other people's stuff. The other thing is, is that if you're raised in a codependent way, an enabling way, or even a dysfunctional situation, you can tend to take on things that are others and be the fixer, to be the fixer. And so literally people have to understand, and I have a huge reframe um, that I share with clients. It's probably the biggest reframe I use in my practice is that it's not your right to interfere in someone else's path. They need that learning and growth. They need the rewards and consequences or whatever comes from it. It belongs to them. It's not for us to save the world. So I get a lot of people that say, well, you know, I watch the news and I'm an empath and I pick up this news, these things are going on and it's horrible and it just destroys me and I cry and then I'm debilitated for days. And I tell them, I get it. I get it. It's, it's brutal because you feel it. You don't just watch it. A lot of people really feel this stuff and some people even kind of feel it when it's happening. Um, I get it. But the thing is, is that it's your choice whether you're going to sit there and sponge it up. Now, if you can do something about it, that's okay for you. That would be healthy for you to do something about it. Great. Other than that, don't sit with it because you're making it worse for you and, and others. You're not helping the world by taking all that in. And you have to realize that, I mean, I know because I've been in journalism, you've been in journalism as well. And there's a saying, if it bleeds, it leads. And so what we're being fed, you know, through media and especially, you know, news is it's not all the great news. It's not all the beautiful things that are happening. It's the tragic. It's the sad. It's the, you know, the the things that are going to get people go, oh, my goodness, and stay glued to their television. I don't want I don't watch television. I don't. Um, you know, there's a, there's a reason why they call it programming. And I really do believe that, um, I've just, I've experienced too many things where I've been watching television, um, and a real quick image will come and it it's like, wait, that I, I, I saw that and it has nothing to do with the commercial or the TV show. And I just said, you know what? I don't know. No, 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 no. Cause we know the subconscious. And so I really stay away from that. Another thing that I stay away from, and I know you've spoken about this as well, whereas someone else can watch a a horror film or a slasher film, whatever they want to call those things, um, very violent movie, they can watch it and they're fine. I, ever since I was a child, I just cannot, I will not watch something that is... Uh, that is showing pain being put on to another person. And I know that it's Hollywood and I know that it's, you know, it's not real, but I don't need that in my cell memory <laughs> at all. Um, you want to talk about that? Because I know with a lot of highly sensitives as well, um, we just can't, we just can't be, um, we can't submit ourselves to that kind of content. A lot of people cannot, if there are highly sensitive people and there are many who are environmentally sensitive, physically sensitive, and they get affected by you know allergies or illnesses or 
um, you know, horrible nervous system upset or mental um, issues from just sounds, from from scents, from from odors. Um, for a lot of us, watching that kind of thing changes our energy way too much. Where it can trigger, it can traumatize, um, and it it really is not healthy for those of us that have that feeling of discomfort. It's not healthy. Not at all. So yeah, it's it's that's the thing is you you've got to figure out you know what is is good for you, what's nurturing for you, and what's not good for you, and that's including your energy. And we're all energetic beings, and we have the choice about what we're going to do with that. And it is an energy; it's an energy you know imprint. You choose, what what you listen to, what you drink, what you um, watch are all inputs. And this is something that I want to say to parents that are out there. Um, I know that we're in a different world, especially than when I was really young, but to to be aware of what your child is consuming. And that means on those little devices, I still think cell phones and access to social media and the internet at a young age is just not smart. It's really, it's, you're stealing a lot from, from that child because they're developing their sensory you know, especially if they're a highly sensitive child. Oh my gosh. But um, I remember, I think it was, I was like, oh, I was just talking to my family about this. I think I was about 11 years old. And back in the day, uh, HBO, if you were, if you were, if you were a household and you had HBO, you were like, oh my gosh, everybody, it's like having a pool, right? Everybody, everybody wanted to go to your house. So my cousins had HBO. And I was 11 and I, was, I used to hang out with my cousins a lot. We were close in age and everything, but I was the youngest. So they're all sitting in the living room and they're all watching the HBO, <laughs> right? And I come in and I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing? You know, what's going on? And they're like, you know, there's a movie going on. Okay. Oh, so I, I sat there and it was, the, it, was, it, was, it was one of the worst scenes. It was um, Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange. Oh boy. Oh boy. And 11? it's this, and it's this, and I was 11. And it was the scene that I should not, no 11 year old should see anyway, especially a sensitive Christine. And I remember that after I saw that, I, I almost wanted to divorce myself from humans, if that makes sense. Like I was like, if people are capable of that, and I didn't have the ability really to say that this is, was done on a movie set and so was scripted and there's, you know, there's, there's gaffers and lighting people and no, 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 because I absorbed that. And I, and I was absolutely terrified of British people for the longest time. Oh no. Oh yeah. No. If somebody had an accent, I was like, I was just so scared of them, but it had a, it had a really big impact on me. And that's when I realized too, that I, 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 I can't watch that type of, violence um it was very real to you as a child oh yeah oh yeah so parents just you know be careful with your kids and what they're what they're exposed to and nowadays i mean that was that was soft porn compared to today oh my goodness you know i've been on the internet and again i'm going to date myself i've been on the internet before the world wide web and uh I think it was 1991 or 1992. There are things on there. There were the anarchist cookbook was on there, but there were so many other things and every adult thing you can think of that you can possibly fathom, imagine in any way or not imagine is out on the internet. 
including adults who will um, present as children in video game sessions uh, that are played on the internet, in chat rooms, in messaging, and any of that. I actually have a client that started getting trafficked in her own bedroom at 14. Highly sensitive person. They were like, some guy was talking to her and he was an older guy and she was like, ooh, she made her feel good. And talking to her through the laptop and started asking for pictures and asked for more and then started saying, okay, now you have to send me pictures. Now you have to send me things or I'm going to oh, you know, no. tell your parents and do this and that. Till from 14 to about 18, her parents had no idea. And um, that was just, that was tragic. Uh, also, I have a family member who uh, became addicted to pornography at 10 years old through his phone. But before wow. that, he was in second grade and saw his brother's game set and saw porn on that. People don't understand the things that are available on the internet. They're not for children. There's so much of it that's not for children. And they hand their kids, you know, a smartphone and they hand the entire internet to that child. And, and every, when we're children, we don't know how to process things that you saw, like Clockwork Orange. We don't know how to process a lot of things that we saw. I used to read. My mother had um, like a magazine called Forum uh, and Penthouse Forum. And it was all stories. And it was just a bunch of stories of everything you could think of sexually. <laughs> and right. I was started reading that at eight or nine. She had no idea. Uh, and then at 14, started talking with my friends to men on the phone. And my parents didn't know. It was fun. It was for fun. That, I'm a highly sensitive person. I, you know, it was really, really probably not a good idea to have me having those things happen when I'm a child where I can't process them properly. And also children can be put in danger. Um, so I agree with you about the internet. I'm glad we, we spoke of that. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I think people, parents need to think twice about that. You should really be monitoring your child with the internet and giving them a phone that doesn't have access to all the internet if you can, especially with highly sensitive people. And do they really need a phone when they're eight years old? I mean, I did all right. I didn't, yeah, come on now. We did, we did it. Right. And actually, you know what? We we had the ability. I think we were the last generation. And I, I don't want to sound, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm starting to sound like my grandmother. Like I had to walk, you know, no. Um, we we really were kind of the last generation where we actually got, we got to use this thing called our imagination and we got to be creative. I mean, I I grew up relatively poor. I didn't know it. I, I didn't know it really. Um but I was. <laughs> my mom made my mom made sure that I I never knew I was poor, but I was, and so I didn't have a lot of I didn't have a lot of gadgets. I didn't have a lot of expensive technology, and we didn't have it anyway. I mean, the biggest thing we had when we were kids was that pong game, and that was like, you know, you could just set the paddles, and they just the little thing goes back and forth on a screen. Yes. But that was like. Oh my gosh, I felt like, you know, so special for having that. But we used our imagination to create, you know, scenarios and situations and we played. Yes. And what I find is that through the art of playing is how you gain social interaction. How you you see how your neighbor, oh, they're they're oh, wow, they're they don't play, they don't play fairly or you know, or you got to watch this one a little bit or oh my gosh, we have so much fun. We, we, we can laugh and be safe with each other. You develop life. those social interactions that I see today are not being developed because it's all That's... electronic, mm-hmm. right? And you Very got 12-year-olds tw- trying to look 24. And I mean, 
You do. You do. And and then people who get older are like, oh no, I don't want to, you know, get older. I want to look younger. But yes, they're growing up really fast because the internet culture pushes for them to do that. Um, I completely agree with you on that. And as far as using your imagination, can you imagine the issues with dopamine that people are having children, especially and adults, the wearing just just using all of your dopamine and having dopamine depletion and having your receptors need to recover and not allowing them to by constantly going into social media. And then a lot of young people are going into social media for some kind of validation where they can't self-validate. This is very, very um, harmful and very dangerous. And very prevalent. That's also why there's such a high rise in, you know, depression and anxiety and Mm -hmm. bullying and, you know, all of that, because it's that comparison model too. When we were, when we were young and we had to, we just interacted, like we had to interact with humans, right? Um, We can, we can compare ourselves really just to the people that were in our small group, right? Mm -hmm. Not people that were thousands of miles away or thousands of people at the same time, thousands of kids at the same time. Um, but yes, we, that's, that's why um, I think it's important, especially in today's world, if you have the ability and if you have a family of, of little kids or teenagers, take them out of that once in a while. You know, it, it, even if you go like go camping or go to the beach or go somewhere and um, just say, you know what, we're going to leave our cell phones at home or we're going to leave our cell phones. We're going to put them in the car and we're going to go and actually talk to each other. <laughs> what yeah. a concept. The kids, the kids, that's brilliant. And that should be done more. It should be regularly, regularly, but the kids will fight a parent on that. Oh yes. And if they, if they do, they do, they, they shouldn't run the show because then they're not going to feel safe. But, but especially, I mean, just how the internet affects people's lives. I mean, it's good. It's good to use the internet for a good offline life, right? <clears throat> but to have it be just a prevalent thing in your life is not being able to be IRL in real life. If you're not living in real life. You're missing a lot. And you're not having that sense of personal connection one-on-one. It's all kind of turning into more fantasy for a lot of people. It's very unhealthy in many ways. It's very dangerous in many ways. And for highly sensitive people, it can be overwhelming as well. Um, so yes. yeah, it's, it's, there's gotta be some way to, to control it. Also, it, it, it's so easy, right? It's so easy to just hit delete or to block mm-hmm. instead of to go, you know what? I have a problem with how you treated me or you, know, you, you crossed a boundary or I need to speak with you about that, or I'm confused, or I don't really like how you said that and communicating that and having that power to say, you know what, what you said, I'm not really happy with, or just to communicate, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's block, it's delete, it's cut out. It's, it's so quick. Um, And so those, those negotiating skills too, those, those social things that you have to, sometimes you do need to do just for your own self-worth to say, you know what? I don't, I don't appreciate that. I might, you crossed the boundary. We just said, you know, kind of go delete. (laughs) Yes. And and this is interesting because if you didn't do that, if you actually communicated, you'd learn better, healthier communication, which would and help that, you in your own relationships. So, and that yes, takes us to the out. next subject because I know that you really love um, working with with couples and um, and in relationships and in relationships where there's 
I would think, I would guess that there's a highly sensitive person and maybe two highly sensitive people together or highly sensitive and then a non-highly uh, sensitive. Can you just talk about that um, briefly about the dynamics? Wh- who do you work with most in relationships? Is it the two together that are highly sensitive? I, that would be that would be tough. That's a good question. <laughs> I think it's usually a highly sensitive person and not. Yeah. But quite often it's two of them. When it's two of them, I have to say it's more intense. And at, a relationship with two highly sensitive people has its own difficulties. I'll tell you that right now. Um, a lot of people feel they tend to fare better with as them a highly sensitive with a non-highly sensitive person. It just really depends on on what that is. Everyone's different in many ways anyway, but I do work with people who <clears throat> are highly sensitive people in having relationship issues. Um, it, it, it would seem that I would try to convince the other person that's not highly sensitive to be able to understand the highly sensitive person. You think that would be the, the thing that needs to happen. It may be one of the components. It may be one. But then again, the highly sensitive person needs to understand the person who's not highly sensitive just as much. So it's very important that they're understanding each other. Um, but yeah, it's 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 tough to, to do either one or it can be glorious to do either one. I've heard couples that are highly sensitive like, yeah, we have our challenges, but it's great. And then other people are like, well, I'm glad I don't have a highly sensitive partner because I could, <laughs> wouldn't work. Um or, you know, I wish I had more of a sensitive partner. So it's, it's, it runs the whole spectrum. Yeah, it does. I'm, I can imagine that. Um, and one thing that, because we had talked about this um, previously too, is that um, when someone, and this, it doesn't matter if they're highly sensitive or, or not, but a lot of adults are walking around on this planet who have been traumatized, who have been traumatized in childhood either through um, a parent or a family, the family dynamic of, of, of an abusive uh, family dynamic, either physical, emotional abuse or sexual abuse. And especially with being a highly sensitive person, we know that when something happens like that, especially at a young age, there's a couple of different things that can happen, right? That, 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 that person can, go on to repeat that behavior with others, or um, in my case, and then I know in a lot of highly sensitive people, is that when they witness or they experience something that is traumatic, um, they would, they make, I made an oath to myself at like four or five that I would never put someone through that same uh, feeling, especially a child, <laughs> but um, can you talk about that and and how, especially highly sensitive people? I know I want to give out your information, but if if someone is a highly sensitive person and they have gone through that uh, that early childhood trauma, what are just some things that can you can uh, tell them right now um, about what they've experienced a little bit, but also um, some maybe some coping mechanisms that they can before they contact you <laughs> before we give out your information, yes. of course. Yes. A lot of people don't know that they're traumatized. They don't know that they have what's called complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, It's CPTSD. It's not even in the DSM yet. The term, I believe, started being um, talked about in 2013. So this is something that's been happening to people over the ages, but we're just coming up with a term for it within the last number of years, few years, unfortunately. But 
PTSD is more of a, you have one or two things happen to you that are really affect your life, affect your nervous system in a way that's difficult to deal with. And you work on the recovery from that. CPTSD is having been traumatized. Doesn't matter what happened. It just depends how your nervous system and your, how it affected your nervous system and your mind. Um, they can have something like that happen um, over and over. Uh, developmentally, in childhood, like you said, uh, and in relationships after as adults or both. So the first thing is to get the awareness about it, whether that's you or not, whether you feel like you have um, trauma that needs to be processed, that you need to do healing with, right? Healing is not linear. Healing is a process. I think people are if people who have complex trauma are healing throughout their entire life uh, the way that we know it now. But I would say to definitely work on the nervous system, to do what's called vagal toning. There is a vagus nerve, V-A-G-U-S, that is runs through most of our body um, from our stem down into the uh, into our throat, down into uh, through the, uh, the area of the heart, down into the area of the, the digestive system. And so it does a lot of regulating. And that's the part that helps to calm us down, helps us to digest, helps us to heal, um, recover, think clearly where you're not just in fight or flight. Um, to do some work with vagal toning in the moment. And I'm just going to tell you the biggest rule of thumb is, is that when you are feeling anxious or when you're having feeling triggered or feeling the any kind of anything coming back from being traumatized, when you're in that part of your nervous system, you can change it uh, by using what uh, in neuroscience, the term they use is bottom up. Now from the bottom up is using the body to change what's happening with the nervous system and the mind. So you physiologically make changes in order to get yourself back in a resourceful state. And when you do that, that's some of the healing. Other people when, with trauma, uh, they don't find that talking it out is helpful. In fact, they find that it's counterproductive. We have, um, I've seen a number of studies with um, people who are veterans who have been more traumatized by talking it out. But when they use their body where they can make changes in their body or identify where they're feeling it in their body and process it that way, it helps. Also, hypnosis helps and EMDR helps. Um, that can traumatize some people too, but everyone has to find what works for them. Some people do, um, we had a speaker from clients that talked about weight training, putting you in the moment. If, if, if it doesn't work for you to be mindful uh, or do yoga or meditation so much, then you, if you do weight training, it makes you stay in that moment. You don't have to work on it. It makes you stay in that moment to be able to lift and be careful and be able to do it safely and effectively. Um, and it's super healthy. So I would say lots of self-care, do nervous system work and process that trauma out of your nervous system in a way that's healthiest and works best for you. And it would be difficult, like when you're focusing in on your on your physical um, body, if it's through yoga or, you know, weightlifting and things like that, doing that, um, it's really difficult to think. It is hard to think about the past or the, to worry about the future because you're so focused on that moment, um, you know, breathing or or going through through that. But yeah, there's and there's a lot of trauma that's trapped in the body as well, and we tend to. Um, we tend to think we we tend to just overthink and think and think and think 
that um, it's all in our brain and it's it, for for a lot of us it's trapped it's also trapped in our body the emotions are trapped in our body as well yes. right yes there's parts of our minds that go through our entire body absolutely um, a lot of our serotonin is in our gut um, a lot of our immune system is based in our gut um, so that's a great reason to have better um, you know the better microbiome health I'm not really a specialist on that but we do work with clients on you know helping them go in that direction. Um, there's the gut-brain axis that people talk about. It's very important. So a lot of our mind is in our body. The mind and body is one unit together. And people don't realize that. So they beat up on themselves and think, why can't I just be in the moment? Why can't I get over this? Why can't I just do it? Why can't I think it through? And then you use affirmations and they may not work. A lot of people don't talk about this. Use the body. Make physiological changes. I have this pen right here. And if I put this pen like this, I instantly smile. That's going to make that's going to make chemical changes in my body instantly. That one thing. And that, I'm not saying that's a healing thing, but that's an example of working from the bottom up. There are things we can do such as singing, humming, chewing gum, gargling. Uh, there are tapping techniques. There are havening techniques and self soothing techniques we can use. Um, music can be very, very therapeutic. Water can be very therapeutic. Um, I've done many things, including sensory deprivation, float tank, um, and just, just a bunch of different things, whatever, you know, I'll use what works for me, use what works for you, but be proactive about it. Cold water exposure works really well because it releases a lot of feel-good chemicals and it's good for the immune system. It's good for the nervous system and many other things, the aging process. So be really proactive with the self-care. It's not a luxury. It's your healing process. And work with the body, not just the mind. Use the bottom-up approach to help yourself with processing, with healing, with trauma. And and it, like you said, do what works, you know, for you as well. And I know that although it's a little bit cold right now here for in Australia, but I know that when it's warm, I mean, for me going into the ocean with the the salt water, um, I can go in there. Or if, we, if we're lucky enough to go to Maui, my wife and I, we love to go to Maui, love it. Um, but going in that salt water immediately just changes everything and my 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 focus then is something that is so much bigger because water is for me salt water as well is so healing it's so beautiful it's so magnificent i can't even explain it it's just i just love it um whereas other people they would be maybe they wouldn't like that they would be worried about you know sharks or jellyfish or something like that so it's it's not for everybody right and and find what it is that that is for you, right? Yes. That's why I don't go tell people, hey, listen, water is your answer. Go in the water. You'll be safe. You'll be comfortable. You can shake your body off. You can stretch your body out. You can do a low impact aerobics. You can even do weights in the water with certain things, resistance things. Um, water is my thing. Water is what what a big thing that I use. Um, water and music are huge for me. Um, but I'm not going to recommend that to everyone because some people say music makes me nervous or I'm afraid of the water. I'm uncomfortable in it. It doesn't relax me. That's why there's never one way. That's one reason I learned the different modalities I learned because there's not always just one way for everyone. Find your way. Don't say, oh, that works for everyone else. So that makes me feel like crap. That would be the hallmark of an HSP. Don't even bother with that. Find what works for you. 
and uh, what soothes you, what feeds you, what calms you, what heals you, but do it proactively. Make sure that you do it, right? Yes, make, make sure, sure you that do you do it. Don't yeah. just read about it. Don't just watch videos about it. Actually do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I have set, had such a wonderful time with you, uh, Chris, and I'm so glad that we're in each other's lives and um, and that we're able to get the this beautiful program out to, to so many people today. I'm just absolutely very, very grateful to you and your time. Now, if people, and I know they're going to we want to know more about you, um, how, do, how do they find out more about Chris Lyon? Oh, well, I have a link that really has all my socials. And so that has some content that people can take a look at. I have actually a Facebook group for highly sensitive people, but it's for empowered, highly sensitive people working on their healing and empowerment. Um, and people are welcome to join that. Um, I have some other ways, some other resources that people can see um, and check out, but I have a special program called Breakthrough Transformation Program right now. And it's really huge because it helps people make breakthroughs and have their transformations that they choose to have. And it's really exciting. We have a ton of people having results from it that are just, their lives are changed with relationships, jobs, health, so many things, state of mind, just quality of life. It's amazing what they've done with it. And if someone is ready to do the work and be proactive, they can get a consult with me. So I have a link that includes that and my other resources and all my links, including what I also would like you guys to, to try out is an audio you can get from going to my website. It's a free audio you can download. And in three minutes, it will help you be calm and relaxed and tap in to your wise self to kind of get to tap into that and have that resourceful thinking and maybe get a message, get some um, insights for you in that mo calm moment. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff in that one link that are, that's, that's all combined. Well, we'll make sure we have all the links to, uh, to your uh, resources. We'll have them in the show notes. And just for those uh, who are listening on um, this as a podcast, as a program, you can go to uh, get ready. It's called coachlion.com. And it's not like the RAR lion. It's with a Y. I'm going to spell that out for you. It's C-O-A-C-H-L-Y-O-N.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-L-Y-O-N.com. And uh, she was talking also about her link tree, which has all these different um, links to the content that she was mentioning. That's just uh, going to Linktree and it's uh, Chris M. Lyon. We'll have the link in the show notes as well for that. So you, if, if you didn't write it all down, it's okay. Um, thank you so much again, Chris. And great name, by the way, Chris. Christine. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And I didn't have any problem remembering your name. I know. I, we did, we did, I don't think we had a problem with that. I, it's just been a wonderful pleasure. You're just an, an amazing person. You're wonderful. And I just hope lots and lots of people listen to your podcasts from now on because you've got a lot of good things going on. Thank you. Oh, so thank you, Donna. Thank you so much. Well, the idea is to make sure everybody is functioning as uh, as well as they can and they're happy because that's contagious, right? Because what you know, what Absolutely. you do with yourself, um, you affect others in your life, your, your family, your relationships, and the world in general. So thank you again, Chris Lyons, so much for being on Out of the Box with Christine. And thank you, wonderful listeners and viewers. If you are watching this on YouTube, you can subscribe to the show right there. There's a little subscribe button. There's a bell. Click it. Da, 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 da. And if you want more information about this podcast, go to outoftheboxwithchristine.com. If you want more information about me, you can go to christineblasdale.com. All those links are also in the show notes. 
And I just want to say, remember to always think outside that damn box. Bye for now.